Today our gospel lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew, in the 13th chapter, verses 24 through 43 again. That is Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 43. I invite you now, if able, to stand for the reading of the gospel lesson. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seeds in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the household came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? And he answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and to gather them? But he replied, No. For in the gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air may come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. Without parables, he told them nothing. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth to speak in parables. I will proclaim what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sown them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with the fire, so will it be at the end of this age. The son of man will send out his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all the causes of sin and all evildoers. And they will throw them into the furnace of fire where there'll be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. The word of God for the people of God. You know, I'm always fascinated as I read through the different Gospels and see the way in which each of the Gospel writers put together the various stories. And a lot of them overlap, and some of them go into greater detail. And some of them, it seems that they're in a different order. And you have to ask yourself, is that because they're doing it independently and they just they didn't get their heads together? 
Or is it because there was a specific purpose for each gospel writer, both for the people he was writing to initially, but also for we would inherit the gospels together? Well, that's kind of an easy question to answer. Since who is the true author of of the Holy Scriptures? God. That's That's what makes them holy. It is the Holy Spirit. And so I have to assume that each one of these was done for a very specific reason known to the writer himself, but he was being led by the Spirit, maybe in a way that he did not fully understand at the time. And sometimes we ourselves don't understand. Sometimes these things come out and we read them. And have you ever read a passage and you knew just what it meant and you were sure of it? And then somebody like me in a place like this got up and started teaching about it. And the things they said were a little bit different than the way you had initially been told. Or, heaven forbid, were a little bit different than the last guy that was there or the last person you heard talk about it. Has that ever happened? Have you ever heard people almost seem to be um, out of sync with one another in the church? Anybody ever notice that? And, of course, if you like your minister, then you go, well, he must be right. If you're mad, then, well, um, there's lots of other things that are thought. And I will tell you, in one hand, the Scripture is completely and totally without error. The other thing I would tell you is human beings are completely and totally with error. And so it could be a little bit of you, a little bit of me, a little bit of the other person is the reason sometimes things come out. But I love it when we read certain things, like today, you know, I remember talking with a, a minister, this was at my first church, and a group of us got together, and we would uh, read through scriptures and talk about the upcoming Sunday, because we all preached from the lectionary, so it was, it was, we were all on the same page in that regard. But this one particular minister, who was much more senior to me at the time, I was... This was my first church, and I was fresh out of seminary. And he, as we were talking through some of these parables, goes, well, you know, there's only one meaning to any given parable. And because he wasn't my senior pastor, I said, well, I don't think that's right. Because I've read some of these things, and I've gotten something different out of certain passages in the Bible at different times in my life because of different experiences. And I've talked with a lot of people, and a lot of other people have too. Now, I wasn't trying to be rude or disrespectful. Matter of fact, I like this gentleman. He was a very fine pastor. We just didn't agree on that. And, of course, he told me that I was still a little bit wet behind the ears. And, you know, as, as I matured in my pastoral vocation, that I would come to see that he was right. Now, because I was so humble and meek after having been in the service for so many years. I looked at him and said, well, you're not going to convince me about provenient grace, so how it makes you think you're going to convince me about this? You may have guessed it. My friend was a Methodist pastor, and we would argue about those things as well. But as I read parables at that point in my ministry, I did think, well, You know, I don't think every opinion on them is right. I do believe that some interpretations of them are just 
far out there. They're just crazy. But I also had to leave room for that, you know, when you think everybody else in the world is crazy, it, not, it might not be them. It might just be the one who stares back at you in the mirror. So I try to balance that out. But as I was reading these parables again, I was struck by, one, the fortunate part that the big parable was answered for us. So really, in this case, the Methodist minister was correct. There is one interpretation of that, and that's the one that Jesus gave in the second part of it. So that's pretty easy. But at the same time, I then wonder, maybe it's not the fact that the interpretation varies, but our application is what actually varies. Because let's face it, I'm not the same person I am now that I was back then. I've had a few more years to get a little, wet, a little less wet behind the ears. Some of my green has worn off. Matter of fact, my hair has started to go gray and white. Matter of fact, on the youth trip that we took, I was astounded by the fact that in every picture that I appeared, how close to looking like Santa Claus I was in more than just one way. So I have to give it up. I have, I have changed. But at the same time, there are certain things that are timeless. For example, I have never been at a point in my life when I didn't have questions that came up. And one of the questions that always comes up is, why are there so many bad things in this world? Why are there so many bad people, so many bad situations? Why does God allow that to go on? Now, I have a pretty quick answer for it. Well, maybe not quick, but it's one that I get to pretty quickly. But I then also ask, having had as much experience as I've now had in various congregations and various churches, it's not just the world that's got bad in it. Sometimes the people we sit in church with on Sunday get under our skin more so than the other folks out there. Not here, of course, because this is different. But in some of the other congregations. Well, obviously, the first parable addresses that. We'll move to the answer in a little bit. But when Jesus is telling this parable, it's very quick. To, you know, even, even before he interprets it for them, maybe it's just because I've read it so oftentimes that my brain automatically goes there. But we know right away that the weeds and the wheat are going to stay in the field together. And that really, application-wise, is kind of an explanation of, why are there bad people in the world and why are there some bad people in churches? Because some people are weeds. Now, the danger is, is when you're convinced that you are the wheat and even more convinced that you know who all the weeds are. But that is why this particular parable was so detailed. Because what do the servants immediately say when they are told, when they identify the weeds being out there? And the master says, oh, I know. What is their first response? 
Let's go. You want us to go tear it out? You want us to fix the problem? Because let's face it, that's kind of what we do when we see, you know, I was talking earlier with someone in the, in the sanctuary here. We talked about how much the world has changed and how different it is. And of course, whenever you have a conversation with that, there are usually a couple of opinions that are shared back and forth on ways that we would fix it if we could. You know, if we could just do this or do that, if we could just have more discipline in school, if we could just go back to some of the old ways, if there just weren't so many problems in this world, or if they would just take my solution, we could get it fixed. But the problem is, these problems didn't come from one single sin or one single transgression. It didn't happen overnight. And if you look back through history, you will see that the world has always been a place that was filled with evil. It was always a place where things were slipping and falling apart. It was always, since Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden, it's always been a rough road. And while we may desire to fix it, the problem with that is, is how many of you think you could go out in a field right now and determine the difference between wheat and weeds? Now, I know there's some farmers here that know exactly what that looks like, and they even have a solution. They just spray them. But I'll tell you right now, my problem is I probably couldn't, and even if I could... I know what I'd do. I'd, I'd be really careful at first, but after a while, let's face it, when you start getting frustrated, when you start getting a little bit worn out, what do you start doing? You start tearing away, and that's kind of what we do in our world. We get tired of, ha of having the same arguments, having the same fights, seeing the same stuff come over and over our television screens, our internets, things in the newspaper, all of these things that just seem to be continuous and wouldn't somebody just fix it. One of my favorite things is listening to folks, well, I shouldn't say my favorite things, but one of the things I find interesting is when people start talking politics. Now, I'm going to warn you right now, I'm not going to come down on one side or the other. Because, quite frankly, politics is just a messed up game. There are no all-stars that are completely perfect. There have been some good ones, but let's face it, even if you go back to the oldies, Abraham Lincoln wasn't perfect. Did you know he got in a couple of bar fights? Yeah, they don't, they don't inscribe that up on the, on the history books. You've got you to look a little deeper. So there's no such thing as a perfect politician, but let's face it, we can all come up with things that we can point at that's wrong with most politicians. I would even dare say all to some degree. Now, usually it's much easier for us to see the problem with the ones we don't like as opposed to the ones we do like. And so we have a tendency to say those are weeds and these are weeds. And I know how we can fix things if we just get rid of all these. Well, the master said, no, I have a plan. You need to stand by. And then... He moves into another parable, a smaller parable, one that we've all heard. Remember as a child, 
The first time I ever saw a mustard seed, someone had it in a little piece of glass. I'm not even really sure if it was a mustard seed. It was a tiny little speck. But we've all heard that many, many times. We've used it a lot about the mustard seed in our faith, which is exactly what he's talking about. We have to have the faith. In other words, he says, no, I don't want you to fix it. I'm going to take care of it. I've got this. And now you have to have faith. Like was said in Romans, we don't hope for the things that we see. We hope for the things that remain to be seen. Because if it's something that we see, it's not hope. It's just acknowledgement of what has been going on. But the hope is the trust that even though we can't see how, we can't see why, we don't really know the answers and we're not being given them, but we are told, I've got this. I have a plan for this. And it'll take place in my time. And so then he talks about this mustard seed. It says, when that's planted in the field, the smallest of all seeds, it grows into the greatest of all shrubs. In other words, if you will just hang on with your faith, trusting in the Lord, if you will just have hope in Him, that hope will take us beyond this worldly, fleshy world into that spiritual relationship with our Father. And all these things that we suffer now, as Paul wrote, will not seem the least bit consequential later on because of the glory that is to come. But again, it is a promise that we have to lean into. And so he tells that parent. And then there's the warning parent. Anybody here still make biscuits from scratch? Sometimes. Well, let's face it, it's a lot easier to get the can. But when you did, what did you have to do to the flour if you wanted it to rise? My bakers, because man, know from what the Bible says. All right, it was said in the Bible, what do you have to do to make dough rise? Yeast. Now, do you put in equal parts of yeast and flour? No, just a little tiny bit of yeast. It's in there and you work it in, but when you work that little bit in, what does it do to the whole batch? It leavens it all. And so in this, we are told, yes, there are bad things in this world. There are the things, the weeds that were sown by the evil one. But they're going to be growing up alongside the wheat. There are going to be things that you're going to have to live with until the day that we hope will come soon, that the Lord will come and take care of all of that. If we just hold on to our faith, even our tiny little bit of faith, it will blossom into this great tree of protection, this place where we can find rest. But then we're warned because the parable of the yeast lets us know even a little bit of stuff mixed in can affect both positively and negatively. So while we're told not to pull up the weeds, we're not called to plant anymore. How many of you have green, green lawns that you take meticulous care of? Anyone in here? No? Okay, let me ask you this. How many of you would mind if I came to your house with one of those little dandelion things with all the things and just blew it? Or a whole handful of them. I used to do that as a kid. My dad used to get so mad. Because you're spreading weeds. Well, we're told with the leaven, be careful what you spread. You can work in something to a good positive result, but 
you can also be negatively affected. And that's why we have to be careful. But we're not given a solution to that. He just, there's a warning. Now, all these parables, I think, and this is why sometimes I read so much, because I think all of them need to come together because there was a purpose for the flow. There was a reason why these two parables were stuck in between the parable of the wheat and the weeds and the answer that Jesus gave when they asked him. What did that mean? He said, well, it's pretty simple. This is the world. And the good seeds are the seeds I plant. The good seeds are the seeds that we find in Holy Scripture. The good seeds are the things that come out of our faith. The good seeds are the promises that our God has made unto us. But there is an enemy. And that enemy is named. And it's one that I think too often in this world folks don't like to talk about. Matter of fact, I think if you polled most of our country you'd get a lot of people that say they don't even believe that the devil exists. Now, I'm not saying he's sitting around with a pitchfork and little horns, you know, hiding around the the corner, although when I was a little kid, I used to swear he might be hiding under my bed. It's probably because I have an older brother who was a jerk. He used to tell me stuff like that. But I digress. Jesus told us there is an enemy, and this enemy is placing evil in this world, and this evil can affect and corrupt the leaven. But I have the solution. It's already laid out. You just have to trust me. You just have to lean into it. You just have to wait. You just have to suffer through some of these harsh things in life to know that we have a God who will not abandon us or leave us. A God who will not allow the weeds to choke us out. And that in due time, the reapers will come. And the weeds will be gathered. And they will be tossed into that furnace. And the wheat will be placed in the barn or into the kingdom. And so, as we listen to this parable there is one thing that I would love for you all to sort of take into your life because, let's face it, it's a hard world we live in. And bad things happen to each and every one of us. And every one of us gets down and every one of us wonders, why on earth am I having to deal with this or suffer through that? Or we see somebody else whom we love suffering through or going through something. We're like, you know, I know that person is a good person. I know that person as a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why on earth would that person have to suffer through these trials and tribulations and there is no answer that I have? And Jesus doesn't offer one anyways. He offers a response, and that is, trust in me. It will be worked out. And all those who have faith, All those who trust in the Lord, all of those who are found to truly be weak will be harvested into the kingdom. And all others will be sent away. All other things will go away. There will be a time when we will be beyond the brokenness of this world, the pains of this world. But as Paul wrote, for now, 
We must suffer and endure. And with patience, go through these things. Trusting. Jesus Christ, our Savior, has things well in hand. He knows our pains. He knows what we're going through. Now, I'm going to end with this. I may have said this before to you all, but have you all ever been told that the Lord will never give you anything more than you can handle? We like to say that. Well, I think that's one of the worst things you can tell somebody. God absolutely will give you more than you can handle if you try to handle it alone. He will never give you more than you can handle with him handling it for you. And he promised that he will always be there. I will be with you even unto the end of the age. We do not walk through the valley alone. We walk through it with our Lord and Savior. And so there are things in this life that are way too big for us to handle on our own. But through Christ, all things are possible. Through Christ, all things will be handled. Matter of fact, he said that in the beginning of this. Do you want us to go out and tear down the, tear down the weeds? No. I've got this. I have a plan. You just need to abide in me and allow me to abide in you. And so, while I don't think that there's multiple answers for these parables, I do think there are, are multiple applications for them at different parts in our life. And so if you're suffering, if you're wondering, if you're worried about what's going to happen, I'm not going to tell you that God won't ever give you more than you can handle. But I will tell you that God will not abandon you and he will not give you more than he can handle. Kind of like you said your children's sermon. You know, it's not how big my problems are, but how big my God is. And our God is bigger than anything. He is infinite. And he is total. And he's in complete control. And we'll see that someday. But for now, we must have faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I give you thanks and praise for this day, for the parables that you teach us through, through the Holy Scripture that we can learn from. But even with that, Lord, we are still limited, and we still get caught up in this world. We get caught up in our flesh. We get caught up in the things that distract. Wash over us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, let us not long to see the things we wish to see, but simply let us let go and let you handle all that you have promised to handle. Through Christ our Lord, we pray this. Amen, amen. and amen.